Last weekend, promised fireworks and boy did it deliver. Among the headlines, Georgia's greatest ever win against Wales and England's stunning comeback to snatch a draw against New Zealand. Joining me, Nick Kane and Brendan Gallagher to provide a bit of an Italian insight today after what has been a rather wild 2022 is one of their most capped players ever, Carlo Cecchinato. Brendan is back with me. Nick Kane is back with me. It's a shame it's not a visual podcast because I'd like to say that Nick Kane no longer carries the accolade of best moustache on call. Uh, my November attempt is coming along very nicely. Nick may dispute that. Maybe perhaps Carlo Kekinato can weigh in. How are you, Carlo? Very, very well, thanks. And you? Yeah, I'm very, very good. Thank you for joining us. So where are you calling us from? I'm in Treviso now, where I live. And you're still with the Italy Rugby Federation. How many years have you been there now? Uh, too many, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when I finished to play, it was 2004. So since then, I've been uh, in different positions, but always with the union. So uh, I would say it's 18 years now. What was the first role you had and where, what role are you doing now? Okay, well, when I retired, I, I became uh, assistant team manager for one year, then team manager for six years from 2005 to 2011. Then I got to the director of sort of a high performance director for more involved on the organizing side than, the, than on the technical for other five years. And then I moved to commercial director. Who's team manager now for Italy? Uh, Giambattista Venditti. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out the sort of hierarchy of it um, in the Italy Rugby Federation. It's a little bit confusing, but still enjoying it. Still want to, you know, very much stay involved in rugby. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's my passion, my life. Uh, and, uh, it's always a privilege to me to be involved with the Italian Rugby Federation and with the world of rugby. When you get out of the pitch at the end, it is a bit of a work environment that can be similar to any other at the end. Because then you talk about other 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 stuff, other you have to consider other other things. But at the end, it's always nice to to have the the, the possibility to book, to be close to the pitch to, to smell the grass and uh, is always the best thing to <laughs> and obviously it's a very exciting time for Italian rugby not the result you wanted against South Africa we'll get to that in a, in a bit first win against Australia where were you watching that day that day I was uh, watching the match on the stand uh, and then uh, I, for the old uh, jumping up and down up and down every every score that we <laughs> we 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 were scoring. I was uh, standing, and then uh, and then uh, I had to walk on the pitch side uh, just five minutes before the, the the end of the match because, uh, as part of the commercial, I was uh, I was uh, I'm in charge uh, of uh, connecting the new sponsor that we have, jersey sponsor that we have with uh, that they also had the rights to be to the um, player of the match award. So I, I, I was on the pitch side with the, with the, one of the sponsor representative exactly in front of where Australia scored the last try. Right. So I was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then I, yeah. I took all the, 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 the closest... Uh, relationship that I have with the Vatican and happy to have uh, someone up in the sky supporting <laughs> us. <laughs> and unfortunately for Australia, the kicker went out. You're obviously very well placed to answer the question I'm about to ask because you've been associated with Italy rugby for so long. But your first ever win over Australia, where does that stand in terms of statement wins that Italy have achieved over the years? But definitely is one of, of, the, of the most important uh, result that uh, Italian rugby has never 
never achieved, especially because uh, it comes after another great victory that he won against Samoa. I don't want to talk too much about the other sides, but uh, I think that the performance that Italy did was very consistent uh, against Samoa. And being able to play a very good uh, rugby, scoring good tries, uh, and uh, and uh, being com competitive for the 80 minutes, something that uh, we one two times a year we are able to do it, but then it's just a spot, just some, something that happens on a, on one stand. Then uh, to be able the week after to win Australia <clears throat> is uh, and to be, to show that we can be consistently competitive for two matches in a row. I think that has been a, a great step forward for the, the, the group of players that we have and for all our our uh, Italian rugby in, uh, consideration. Because also because after that, the the, the mindset of the of the people around uh, switched on uh, quite uh, quite uh, highly in terms of uh, attention and and the rugby requests from from the market. I would say so. Uh, media uh, sponsors, uh, other thing. Uh, the, the attention was uh, on I has been very very high after after that uh, that uh, that result, and uh, this is very good to us because we joined Six Nations since 2000, becoming at the end a real partners just from 2005 because the first five years were just invited to play, but no <laughs> no revenues on us. So uh, sometimes uh, you you start to think, uh, honestly speaking, where we are when you lose one, two, three times, four times. Are are we able to to be competitive? Are we able to 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 face everybody? And I think that uh, the, the year two thousand twenty two, I think, has shown that uh, what uh, what uh, we can do is something very very interesting. Is something attractive? Is something that is uh, Definitely needs to be part of, definitely consistently part of it, and it shows also the, the the good job that we did in the last years with the with the at the age grades with the under twenties, for example, being able to to be winning a winning side, a, a good performer, a winning side for for many years now. So the, the young guys that we are that we developed in the past are now able to to perform in the in the, in the biggest st stage, and. Uh, I think that we have in our in our future five six years of uh, good uh, good shape, a good possibility to to get uh, good performances. Just Carlo, on did, did oh, I hear sorry, you sorry. right there? Did I hear you right? You said that between two thousand two thousand five, Italy were invited to play the Six Nations, but you weren't part of the financial arrangement of the whole Six Nations. I've I mean, never the financial arrangements uh, were very, very tiny to us. <laughs> so uh, we were... I've never heard that. Now we, we became we became completely partner from 2006. I don't recall, I don't recall if it was 2005 or six, but after five years, we, we've been completely Good partner. Grief. That's unbelievable. I've never heard that before. No. Yeah. Did, Nick, did you know that? No, I didn't. And I and and look, I, I mean, I'd like to ask. I, I mean, does that mean that you were not, uh, you did not have a share of broadcast revenue? We had we had a smaller amount of money than than the others, but this has been part of of what uh, 
is being agreed. So it's not. It's yeah. not I mean, it's not. I'm not. I'm not a complete. You're not making complete. a big point. I, I just no, no, that, it wasn't publicised at the time, though. That's for sure. I'd certainly. It, it's it's just something that happened, and uh, and yeah. we were happy to, and we accepted that it, it yeah. happened. So no problem at all with that. But just to say that uh, the development that we were able to 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 build. In the in the years after that, and the investment that we are able to to do and to uh, to apply to our system are now starting to give a bit of a, of a of a good results. We may as well get into the Six Nations topic now. I was going to at some point, but Italy have obviously the debate over whether they should be in the Six Nations after you know a series of wooden spoons in a row has been ongoing but I want to date back then to that time in 2000 obviously you yourself were playing at the inception of Italy as a Six Nations team the inception of the Six Nations how was the feeling of imposter syndrome did you feel that you were a supplement to an already pre-existing core tournament then not least because you were just added but also because of what you've just said i.e., you were invited that that makes it seem like a temporary thing you know you're kind of fighting for your spot no more no more than I never had the feeling to be to that was something temporary. I, the, the, the feeling I had is that uh, uh, we achieved uh, in, from the 90s to, to 2000, we achieved a, a great, a great uh, result by being, by being admitted in the, in the Six Nations. And uh, I, honestly, I never thought once, but also, but also in, the, in, the, in these years, in the, in the recent years that we would not be be able to continue our participation to the, to the Six Nations. So uh, it's something that when when uh, arrived uh, became uh, uh, part of us. I mean, so it's been a especially after you win the face the first time you play against Scotland, it was the the Grand Slam winner the year before. So it, it's something that uh, will stay for the rest of <laughs> in, in the memory of, of us uh, for the rest of our life. I would say. One thing that I also wanted to talk about, if you fast forward to the present day, Georgia's position. I'm coming to you, Carlo. Do you think Georgia should be given a chance in the Six Nations, given that Georgia obviously beat you guys earlier this year as well? They got that very, very historic win against Wales at the weekend. Their case seems to be getting stronger, just as your case for your continued inclusion continues to get stronger as well. Well, First of all, I have a lot of respect of uh, of, uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia Rugby Federation and uh, the Georgian people—they are very proud people. Very, they, they are fighting hard for their for their future and for, to to try to achieve the best that they can. And uh, honestly, I have, a, as I said, a lot of respect to them. Uh, on my point of view, I don't see the possibility. I don't see, and I will explain why. I don't. I don't. I think it's not good also to have a, a, a consideration where you think. Uh, uh, you can have a, a six nation changing with teams going up and down because by giving a chance to one team, you will destroy another another union. So I don't see it's not a question of Georgia because now maybe what happened if it's Wales going going down or we're seeing the result that that is being achieved on the weekend. Uh, it's not that I was I will I see I I hope that. Uh, in the future, there could be a, a new a new system where we can enlarge the competition. I would say more than to have six, uh, seven, eight, ten. I, I don't know how many, but <laughs> to have a, a bigger a bigger competition. But I don't see uh, the possibility, also for 
commercial, uh, uh, financial, uh, and uh, also development of of of, uh, of rugby in the in the future to to have uh, a promotion relegation system. I don't see that uh, honestly happening. If, even if, even if uh, as I said, I have uh, I think that uh, Georgia should have uh, should have all the all the credit and all the possibilities to to improve their their performances and to play with the uh, with all the unions. Uh, I think I think is is definitely fair, but the competitions that are sustainable, looking at the and the, the, the models of the business sport in the in the world, like U.S. sport, is always done by stability, and and to be able to have a long mid long term investment with a, to be sure being sure where 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 you are and what you will have in the next years. So the the investment that we did. Uh, for example, in the in the in the age grade uh, system that uh, allowed us to have a, 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 a definitely a much a much better team and depth in the team is something that takes uh, because the guys that are playing there I was there for more direction I know them very well because our old guys that we indicated and we I would say admitted to this 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 pathway and uh, our people of 90, 90 born in 93 94 95 96 and just now they are able so it is is a pathway that they started in 2014 15 16 and now they are able to perform mm-hmm. so it takes a long time to build a player to, to it takes a lot of investment that I c- cannot be one year up and down and gone or or because uh, you will you will destroy everything in the, by that. It's not, it's not it's not an easy solution. And as I said, I think that Georgia and Georgia, I would say Japan uh, or other other unions have, have a lot of, of. It should be good for them to have to have this this possibility. But I see that as a, a by enlarging the competition more than. Than by having a promotional relegation, yeah. and, and I'm saying that uh, not just because uh, Italy is uh, is the last uh, or is second last, because I'm sure that in the next three four years we will be able to be consistently competitive uh, with all all this part of maybe few of of the biggest uh, nations, but with the rest we can uh, we can we can play we can play definitely and be and be able to get a good results. So is 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 a question of of a uh, building a, a sustainable situation more yeah. than, uh, than it, it's very interesting what you say carlo F- funny enough i've just been writing my column for this week like in the wake of the the georgia win and is there any chance i'm afraid myself and i suspect nick who've been dealing with six nations committees for 30 odd years i have no hope or expectation of them ever really um grasping the the power they have to determine european rugby or not and I don't think they will ever give or see, no matter what we write, no matter what we say, they've got the money, they've got the crown jewels, they're not giving them up. So I'm so I'm thinking, and I haven't quite finished my column yet, there has to be a way of, you're not going to be invited to that party very easily. I just don't think it's going to happen. But European rugby to me is on a little bit of a surge at the moment with Portugal, Georgia, Spain, if they can stop fielding the occasionally eligible South African, Romanian, if we can boot, get them rebooted, there's some good potential there. I think that whole tournament, REC1, has to be relaunched, rebooted, maybe get Japan and Uruguay to come in and have 
almost almost like a rival tournament because in an ideal world, of course, you get promotion, relegation, or you get expansion. That's not going to happen. The Six Nations are never going to do that. So I think it's time that these good, impressive, emerging nations in Europe really got together and made almost like an alternative Six Nations, not yeah. REC1, just really make it into a very attractive tournament with Lisbon, Porto, Barcelona, Madrid, who knows, have Japan based in Toulouse, something like that, Uruguay based in, I don't know, um, Barcelona or somewhere like that, San Sebastian. Get this tournament really sexed up, get some money in it, into it, get some sponsorship, uh, get some TV, get Amazon, whatever it takes. Because you could spend the next 30 years trying to get the Six Nations to give you something, and it's not going to happen. It's the way it is. So you've just got to look after number one, these other European nations. Yeah. I, also, I also think, uh, I also think uh, on what uh, I totally agree with you, but I think that is also a question of, uh, because everybody is, is uh, asking Six Nations to, to, to solve the problem, but I think that is not something that the unions can, can, can solve. I, I think it's something more that should be in the bigger picture of, of, of world rugby, I would say, in terms I of... I agree, but world rugby have no power. No, they have no power over the Six Nations. Yeah, the no, they, they have, a, they, definitely, they have, a, they have a power enough, I would say, to, to... The problem is more a question of finance. Uh, so, because everybody is looking at Six Nations because uh, it's, a, it's a sustainable and, and a strong competition. And the reason why it's such a sustainable and strong competition is because it's a stable competition. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's not easy to change yeah. this mindset and to change this thing because uh, it works well. <laughs> well, that's almost <laughs> what I'm well. saying. They're not going to change. They're not going to let anybody... It's not, not, not going to change, but, but it's not going to change, not just because uh, Six Nations people are not good enough uh, to, or they don't have uh, enough heart to, 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 to look at that, but because they have to preserve, at the end, they have to preserve what, what is uh, sustainable and what is, uh, is good at this stage. And I yeah. think that there should be a, a bigger combination because... In the end, you see also that the problem. This is my my obviously my my point of view living in another country. But you see also the problem that club rugby is having around. Club rugby is struggling. The competition that is sustainable at the moment is more a URC system where unions and clubs and franchises are there with as well. Again, we go back with a stable competition, no promotion relegation, where you can plan for years what what the, the investment are. So. It's something that goes in that direction, and I totally agree with you with the fact that rugby should. Uh, why soccer is so is so popular? It's so popular because it's a, it's a simple game, quite simple to understand and to play. Everybody can play and uh, maybe win, and also because each market is involved: Spain, Germany, Italy, France, UK, uh, Ireland, uh, uh, Russia. Uh, before, before the, what what unfortunately is happening or any every African country. So I think that by having new nations joining, I see that coming more from the from the national teams than from the clubs. So yeah. Spain, Portugal, Romania, Georgia, Germany, hopefully. But this is something that has been spoken about many, many, many years, I think, uh, and uh, no, no solution is being provided to that. But more market we, that we have, the best it is. Yeah, my, my view is, is that the, the the importance of the systems that you have, the competitions that you have, is the dynamic within those competitions. And my concern with the Six Nations, I mean, I take your point about 
the expansion and so on and so forth, and, and that that is one way of doing it. One of the problems with promotion and relegation, if you look at the models that exist, is that there is a stagnation about those models. It's not promotion and relegation that is the problem. It is the stagnation that there is no dynamic between tournaments. So, for example, if the European competition was to be uh, backed properly, was to get the commercial backing and the backing from world rugby or, you know, if the Six Nations won't come to the party, there is no, if you look at the French system, you know, I mean, one of the things you've talked about, you talked about football. Well, football is about promotion and relegation at club level. And in France, you've got an extremely thriving system based on promotion and relegation at the moment because of the dynamic in that system. So in other words, it isn't the end of the world if you get relegated. Actually, you have every opportunity to come back up very quickly if you get your act together. So my problem with it is, is that I think that it's the way, if you look at the stagnation in English rugby at the moment around the premiership, it's because championship teams don't have any opportunity to progress because they're starved of funds and there is a ring fence so that they have no opportunity to come up because they're killed on grounds or whatever else. So my view is, is, is different. I think that it's about the fact that if anybody was to be relegated and the competition that they were relegated to was commercially relevant and commercially thriving and their opportunity to come back up was almost a, a, a not a given, but, uh, you know, would be about their merit to do so and they'd have every opportunity to do so. I don't, um, I don't see the problem. And I do see a problem with the Six Nations uh, potentially stagnating. You know, at the moment, I mean, Italy, Italy's, Italy's situation is different because they're the newest side into it. One of the feelings that I've had is, is that one of the main problems with Italy is that I would like to see, we've got Kieran Crowley at the moment, and I think he's done very, very well indeed. But I think that for, for, for times, there has been a lack of dynamic in Italian rugby, which has meant that they haven't made the, uh, the, the, the steps that they perhaps would have made more quickly. I can see a situation where Scotland perhaps never gets out of the, the you know, of the, uh, of the position that it's in, in, in the Six Nations because of the numbers and so on and so forth. So there, there is an importance for a new dynamic. Now, we may dif disagree on the way in which that happens, but I think that that's necessary. In principle, definitely, if, if uh, promotion relegation is uh, in a competition that uh, can be financially sustainable and technically good, it's something that uh, can be taken in a different consideration. At this stage, this doesn't exist. So we no. cannot talk about promotion relegation without having built something, but then without uh, knowing if this is financially sustainable, because we are talking about finance. You spoke about uh, French competition, club uh, club competition. Yeah, there is a, is a there is a private investor that can buy, make investment, buy players, sell players, and and in e one year and after is something that that uh, that uh, can can change quite quite simply. We are here. We are talking about unions 
programs that are completely sustained financially by the incomes that they receive by participating to the competition. And uh, it's something that you cannot you cannot uh, have one year up and down if it's not guaranteed the, 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 the financial. And I don't see in the world at this stage a situation where there is enough finance <laughs> to be able to... Yeah. In this stage, maybe building, going in that direction, that is something that I think uh, is fair to to take this step and to to try to to see it, to explore it. But uh, in, as in principle, is a good picture. But then practically, I see that uh, struggling quite quite a lot to be able yeah. to be applied. I, I I understand your point, and I think that that's true. I don't I don't think that it exists at the moment. That's for sure. But that is, you know, the, there's a saying in English, and it may be the same in Italian, where there is a will, there is a way. And at the moment, there is no real will with the Six Nations or with, with in my view, with World Rugby, which seems to sit on its hands half of the time. As I said, uh, the wider market and the wider uh, number of countries that uh, are competitive would be a great thing to everybody. Mm. This, this is my so also we, also uh, the, the, I think that this is a, the, the, a crucial area and uh, I, I think that it's more the perspective that uh, because we and I, I'm thinking I'm thinking loudly I mean it's more the perspective because when you talk promotion relegation you see the negativity of uh, mm. because promotion relegation can be positive as well because give you sure. a bit of a finger in, in in a place that give you a yeah. bit of boost forward I mean uh, if uh, if uh, it can be like that. But then yeah. promotion relegation, you can, is, it cannot just be seen as a, a sport, a sport thing, a, competi- a competition thing. Is what is a, behind that that is a very very important because mm. by giving a chance to to one country, one union, you cannot destroy another one. Another. And I am saying this is we are talking you are talking with me about Italy because definitely in the in the last years <laughs> we have been the the the, the, the less winning country in the six nations but uh, in the next two three four years this can be something that can happen to everybody yeah Where I, 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 last weekend last weekend has shown that so is a it need to be treated very carefully it's um it's interesting the one thing that i would say you know there is a a, a clamor for georgia at the moment and i have like you i have a great deal of respect for what they've they've achieved and for their ambition. But uh, I think it's my my understanding that they've won in the last five games between Italy and Georgia, they've won one, which was uh, the, the one last, last year. So at the moment, they have some way to go before they would, um, they would supplant Italy, even if there was a procedure for them to do so. One of the things that I, I do think is that Italy and Georgia ought to play more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, For sure. We are more than happy to play each side we we, we can, and, and, and Georgia is one of that. Uh, but I think that uh, this uh, this uh, discussion about promotional relegation, about Georgia, is, uh, is affecting too much the situation of Georgia-Italy. It's not Italy against Georgia or Georgia against Italy, uh, mm. I think. It's, it's a, a system that uh, needs to be taken in consideration where because maybe maybe uh, if we if you look at the last year results Italy won against Wales and Georgia won against Wales so, so oh, yeah. maybe it's Wales that the, the, the team 
that uh, might in the future be be struggling. This. And I, I think it's not it's not the, the right thing to do for Wales, for Ireland, for Scotland, for everybody to yeah. have uh, uh, this possibility to be in case relegated in a competition that uh, would uh, kill the, the union that would be relegated to. So th- this is the thing. So it's not a question of promotion relegation, as I said. It's a question yeah. on what is sustainable and what is possible to 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 to. One, to be done in this one sport. of the big problems, Carlo, is that expanding tournaments like the Six Nations is extremely difficult because if you look at the situation regarding club rugby, regarding the, the, the top tier of club rugby, the top clubs in France, in England, in the URC, you know, they they do they will not want to see the international calendar expand. So a Six Nations, let's say no longer a Six Nations, maybe an Eight Nations or a Ten Nations, that means more fixtures, a longer international window, and that is a problem. But no, 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 no necessary. A, a, a big number of uh, a bigger number of of matches, for example, the system that uh, is has been uh, thinking uh, in relation to the automation series uh, combined with the, with the summer series. Is something involving twelve teams, but not not adding adding more matches in the window. So, I, I uh, it depends. It depends. Uh, the thing is that uh, Six Nations is is a is a, a competition owned by six unions plus uh, plus another 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 partner. So, uh, Six Nations as a definitely needs to be very close to to other unions to try to develop because it is also a good uh, a good benefit for six nations if the world of rugby growth grow and and uh, there are more markets to involve but uh, is is not six nations that has this uh, this vocation to 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 develop rugby around just on the subject of an annual match between italy and Georgia, and, it, and this needs to be it can be taken out of the Six Nations context, but for 40 years, France always had a match against Romania every January as their warm-up match for the old Five Nations and Romania's warm-up match for the old FIRA. And, uh, you know, it is a very crowded market, very crowded itinerary, but I think there'll be a lot of interest in an annual Italy-Georgia match, say, I don't know, last weekend of January before, before all the yeah, competitions yeah. start. Yeah, Brandon, but I, I want to. It's not a problem between Georgia and Italy. I don't. This is not a problem because if, no, no, if, I didn't okay, say it'd be a great play, match. We great play, match. we play. Yeah, we can play. You know, there is a world calendar that uh, they has uh, ten or eleven dates where we can play, and uh, if uh, if uh, one of these ten, eleven uh, dates are are between Italy and Georgia, we are more than happy and to have exchanges and play and. Everything they no no problem at all. But if Italy wins every game in the next ten years against Georgia, or loses every game in these ten years against Georgia, doesn't make any difference in terms of admitting on or not to the Six Nations. Is 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 no, no, I would, that, I would separate the match. It's something that is part part of the global or the global development that uh, rugby could uh, could have, and uh, we are more than happy to participate to be part of it. Uh, you know, but yeah. I don't want to put the two the two unions and the two countries in competition because if Georgia will win three out of five, then uh, will be 
Georgia will have will have all the credit to be admitted in a competition, also without winning five or or two or one game against Italy. This is not the the point. The point is 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 there room enough or possibility at this stage to have a to enlarge the competition? So to have a seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve nations competition every 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 year. Yeah, I don't know. But this is this I think is a, the, the 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 point that needs to be discussed. Turn, let's turn our attention back to Italy on the pitch. Obviously, a fascinating tangent, and I'm sure we'll have a few more discussions around Six Nations time next year about that. I've got to ask about the impact of two men. One is Kieran Crowley, since he's come in, and two is Ange Capuzzo. And the Italy of 2022 and the big statements that you guys have made, he is pretty much synonymous with that. He obviously sparked the try that um, sunk Wales. He scored twice against Australia. I'll come to you first about Capuzzo, Carlo. Just how good is he? I've heard that he's quite quiet, quite reserved off the pitch. How good? How good actually is he? Oh, he's a very good guy, <laughs> a very good guy. Uh, definitely uh, someone uh, that uh, a, a good son. If you want to have a, <laughs> if you're a father or a mother, you would like to have a son like him. Uh, very well educated, uh, good behaving, uh, very polite. So he's, he's a he's a perfect guy at this stage, and also on the pitch, he's quite good. <laughs> I, I see. I think that he has a like a, a, a sense of uh, surviving. Because that makes him running away from the tackles. Because if if they hit him once, maybe it would be different. no, no. He's, he's a very good, talented, very good player. He's, he's someone that uh, smelled uh, the try line. So every time he has a ball, uh, he's able to get uh, to, to to create something. And uh, he's been uh, he's been uh, definitely fantastic and able to capitalize uh, all the good things that all the good work that the team is doing. Because at the end, definitely Angie is a, is a, the cherry on the cake in terms of being able to to finalize the 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 the, 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 the actions and and the, but I think that the team uh, since uh, already six six nations uh, then we stopped a bit in the summer tour but then uh, also in November we showed a, a different way of playing. Angie is uh, is the one that is able to to capitalize this uh, all this uh, good job that the whole team is doing. Is he a big figure already in in Italy? Is he somebody who who actually is is like a a figurehead for rugby that uh, the common man in Italy would identify with? Uh, at this stage, of the exposure he had uh, in the in the last uh, with the try in in a, the try that Padovani scored, but we say, we can say the Capuzzo try against Wales and. Uh, and uh, the the other two performances against uh, some against uh, Australia especially uh, gave him uh, a good exposure. Uh, then he's still he's still quite young, and uh, I think that uh, he has uh, he will have uh, all the time to to develop himself on the pitch and outside the pitch. But as I said at the beginning, he is a very good guy. So I I see that this can be something that helps him. To be better, more than uh, to make him thinking about to be different and to be with a, a bigger head. So uh, I, I think that uh, it, it can be in the next years someone that uh, can uh, can uh, be a bit uh, can be a bit of the, the 
one of the image of the Italian rugby. I was interested to see a picture of him after the match with Cheslin Colby because he reminds me in a funny sort of way, both small guys, both really tough guys. I think Capuccio is very good under the high ball or very competitive under the high ball. People don't give him credit for that. And obviously he tries to run around people, but he, he's not frightened of the contact and going into contact and, and getting the ball back. And obviously Cheslin Colby is an immense player. Um, and he's exactly the same mould. And it's it's extraordinary that a year after I... Well, I clocked him about two years ago in the under-20s under or the emerging, but that you're even talking about him along with Cheslin Colby is, you know, immense uh, credit to uh, Capuccio that he's already up there and World Rugby Breakthrough Player of the Year. He's already sort of arriving and, and arriving very quickly. He yeah. obviously emblematises the new way that Italy are trying to play. Um, or the the new Italian style of rugby that you mentioned, Carlo, and we obviously saw it at the weekend in the game against South Africa, certainly in the first half with Capuzzo's try. We also saw it from South Africa, which we didn't necessarily expect to see. We'll get to that later on. Is that something that not just him coming in, but obviously Kieran Crowley had come in and tried to expand the brand of rugby that Italy were trying to play? Yeah, definitely. The, the way the team is playing is a, definitely a more attractive one. Uh, and... Uh, but I think uh, I didn't have the chance to 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 speak uh, about that with with Kieran. But I think that he thinks that it, this is the best way to play. I mean, not not just because it is attractive, but because it's is is a, a positive way that where the team can score points. Because to win, if you want to win, you, you need to score points. And then you have to take the less possible uh, points, but then but you need to score. So. Uh, in the past, uh, Italy was able to win uh, matches that were in the range between uh, ten and twenty points. Okay, that that was if if the other team were not able to score more than fourteen, sixteen points, Italy would have the chance to win. Now you are playing matches where you can you can score thirty, forty points in a match. So this is this is another completely another approach, you know. And and then I'm sorry. And this also is a. Very important because it uh, creates a product that is uh, more attractive to, to to media. So even if the match against South Africa was a uh, very tough in terms of the score and and uh, and a lesson as well to to our uh, to our young team, but uh, I think that uh, Italy played uh, with an open mindset and trying to to create maybe too much sometimes because when you, the, the the game with this, uh, these big sides, you arrive to a point where. The more you play, the more points that they score. So it's better maybe to to get get down a bit the rhythm, try to manage and to accept uh, to have uh, like a 35 or 40 points defeat more than to have a six. And uh, this is, I think, is something that uh, can be managed. But at the end, to get uh, 30, 40, or 50, 60, you lose. When you lose, you lose. It's not, it's, it doesn't make any any big difference. I mean, uh, by losing, by all the match is very close. Like what happened in Wales, where we were very close, very close at the last try, arrived at the seven ninth minute, or when when the score is already gone, uh, at the end uh, doesn't it doesn't make any big difference. But I think that the team, in, in some way, in three three matches in a row, is quite difficult to be to be cons- strongly competitive with a, such a big side like South Africa is. Italy hit a wall, didn't they? Uh, about the fiftieth minute. In fact, it was the forty fifth minute. They it just gone eighteen sixteen. And and Chesling got that wonderful yeah the try that try I think that killed yeah. them killed and them then Et, and then Etzebeth came on and the box you could see they were really boiling 
two narrow defeats, 18-16, the, you know, the autumn tour was on the line. Yeah. came on and they just up to another level that Italy couldn't live with. I don't think, I don't think many teams in the world could have lived with South Africa for half an hour. They wanted to make that point and a statement and, and Italy were the team that got a kick in. But a lot of teams would have conceded 30 points in the second half there on Saturday, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And uh, I, I pay a lot of credit to the team because our team, because they tried to, they gave everything on the pitch. Uh, and uh, as I said, maybe too much. <laughs> maybe too much. But that, that was uh, the spirit, you know. Also, the first uh, the first try arrived after we pl- we tried to play from our 22, open, <laughs> passing the ball. Uh, it's good. I think is a, a good approach. It's a good approach, a good mindset. And uh, I'm really looking forward to 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 next six nations uh, and see what 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 where we are and what we can do so where are italy finishing in the six nations 2023 carlo before we move on i'm not nostradamus i, am, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't nor know. are any of us <laughs> i don't I'm know too. i i hope that uh, i have a, an hope that is a uh, in the past it was an hope because i'm always positive sometimes it's something that i I really believe that we will be able to play very good matches and very good rugby during the next six nations. And then we see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cards close to your chest. Well, look, it's obviously very, very exciting times for Italian rugby. And we, Brendan has actually sung, he's sung the praise of the under 20 side a few times on this podcast. And that obviously shows that, like you say, Carlo, the next three or four years, certainly we can look for competitive fixtures against our, the respective Six Nations side. Now, let's um, look back at the weekend just very, very briefly. We've overrun on that section of the podcast by quite some way. But mm-hmm. looking back to England, New Zealand, we predicted fireworks last week when we had Chris Robshaw on. We didn't really get that for 70 minutes. And then we got 70 minutes of fireworks packed into 10. I'm going to come to Nick. Should England have kicked the ball off the field? Yes or no? Um, it's a very, very difficult question to answer. I think that they were spent. That's what I think. I think that they had hit the accelerator as hard as they could. They were deep in their own territory, and I'm not sure that they they, they didn't have the confidence. They didn't have the confidence early in the game. And... Although they'd done what they'd done, salvaging a draw draw psychologically was what they were looking to achieve. I heard Rico Ioanni's comments that if it had been New Zealand who'd got the ball in their own 22 towards the end of that game, they would have gone for broke. (laughs) I think that that's a little bit of... uh, Ioanni might have done but I think that there are 14 other blokes who would probably have kicked it off the park. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, uh, long way round. Was it was it the right thing to do? Yeah, under the circumstances, I think that England, for England to launch another attack from deep in, in their own territory, um, it would have been a very significant gamble, and I'm not sure that it... Um, I, I, you know, it could have paid off, but it could also have backfired. So, um, yeah, not what the crowd wanted to see. But, um, yeah, I think that it was probably uh, the pragmatic thing to do. Let's put it that way. I haven't seen Ioane's, the context of Ioane's comment, but I don't know whether he meant that if they had come back from 25-6 down and then they received the ball. I think if England had kicked to a New Zealand there, having 
given their lead back up, they would have absolutely kept it in play. Just because I don't. When have you ever seen New Zealand kick a ball off the park when they're on the verge of a defeat? If the win is there, obviously, yeah, potentially they kick it off. But even then, that's not the All Black way. Yeah, but they got a draw. They, you know, I mean, we're not talking about a defeat. We're talking about that they got a share of the spoils. But did they get? Did they get a draw, or were they pulled back to a draw? A losing draw. Exactly, losing draw versus it's winning. Interesting. Draw. It's an interesting concept. A losing draw is better than a loss. <laughs> <laughs> but a win is also better than a losing draw. A yeah, lot, and the gap between win and losing draw is a lot bigger than losing draw and yeah. loss. But um, if you look at the context, just look at the context of the game. And if England had, they had hit, they'd hit the accelerator, they'd pressed it to the floor for ten minutes. Now, if you think that they were that they were likely to go again from deep in their own uh, own half, from their own twenty-two, and score another uh, another try. I'd say that there was a very good chance that on the third occasion, the fourth occasion rather, that they tried it, it might have backfired. That's all. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. And for the record, I do think kicking the ball out was the right decision. Brendan, Carlo, do you think it was the right call? I came round to it. Uh, initially, I was a bit disappointed. And obviously, the obvious thing to say is if Marcus Smith had been playing for Quinns, he wouldn't have done that. I don't think he would have done that. But 25 all in front of 82,000 at Twickenham and the All Blacks is an entirely different context, especially after they, you know, come back from what had seemed a certain defeat. So in, in the hours that have, have followed, I, yeah, I see entirely the logic of getting it off the park, feeling good about yourself this week. Another huge match with South Africa who are now on a, on a bit of a rampage. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's too much to discuss there, really. Carlo? Now, before you talk about the... A losing draw. I think that there was a winning draw because being able to get back uh, to draw a match that was lost uh, 10 minutes before the end, I think it's been a, a great performance by England. And uh, I think that uh, we need to, to split the emotional part of the game and the, the rational part of it. Emotionally, you, you will never kick out and try to play, but rationally, you have more chances to get a penalty and to get a, a kick to the post by playing your 22. Then more, you have more chance on that than than to score a try or to be able to arrive to the 50s and get a penalty. Yeah, on, on your side. So I I think that it's been the right the right decision definitely. Yes. Question to the floor: What changed around the 70 minute mark that meant that England were no longer playing this inhibited? style of rugby obviously the pressure was firmly off and that's maybe obvious my take on it and i'm obviously very open to being told i'm you know on one was actually taking manu tuolangi off helped england expand their brand of rugby and he we've spoken about him a lot but he's not the force he was in terms of that ball carrying power Un, unlike your jonathan dantes and your damien dialendes he's not added that many strings to his bow in the way that they've had to add an extra dimension or two and seeing the likes of a playmaker like slade outside of Smith and Farrell meant that the ball got outside 12 and there was still stuff with it rather than just a, you know, one direction. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't single him out. I would say that he emptied his bench and pretty well everybody who came on contributed to that, to that 10 minute, um, you know, blitz. I think that um, there is competition. He has killed competition in the team for a long time now he's gone to his go-to men all the time come rain or shine however well they've been playing 
Sinclair, very good example, has had a pretty poor season. He's gone back to him. I, I would say that there is now competition in, for places in this team. And that is incredibly important. And when you look at the competition for places, I think that that is what you saw in that last 10 minutes. Those guys came on and they had a huge amount to play for. And they, and they, and they, they, uh, they put down their marker. I want to move on to Wales which is probably a little bit more of a sombre outlook, <laughs> if we're being honest. Now, where does Wayne Pivak stand? And this is a question to the floor again. Say Wales gets spanked by Australia. Pivak out? It's getting into that territory, isn't it? It's beginning to get into that territory. Home defeats against a team like Georgia. And I remember in years past, Samoa, Canada, that they, they resonate with the Welsh public. And then the Welsh media really, really revs up. And yet, if they went to beat Australia pretty well, you would say, beat Australia, beat Argentina. It's almost okay. Wales ne almost never play well in the autumn. I don't know why. They almost never do. But I think it's a very important match this week. You know, a lot rides on the Australia match. That will decide whether there's going to be a major movement to uh, to, to get a new coach. I don't think that they, that they will... I mean, you... You can never you can never say never with this, but I I don't think that they will uh, move Wayne Pivac on at this at this juncture. I also think that he's um, you know I mean Wales are uh, you know I mean like a lot of teams Wales are are extremely inconsistent. It's not so long since they were you know they well they were in South Africa and you know it was a very very competitive series. So you know it's a knee-jerk reaction of you know throwing him out uh, on the back of the fact that um, you know Georgia have got a you know had got the bit between their teeth and that they've got an outstanding uh, scrummaging ability and an ability to turn the screw in in certain circumstances. I, I'm I'm not uh, convinced that it would be the right thing to do. I think that's fair, and I think we'll move on again to. Carlo Kekanato's Random Rugby 15. Carlo, sit forward. <laughs> 15 quick fire questions coming your way. Nickname? No, I didn't have a... Carlito, maybe. Carlito. Carlito, okay. yes. Okay. Carlito is a bit... small Carlo. You're a six foot, no. six foot five plus lock. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> exactly. Best rugby memory? 2001 against Scotland in the, in the Six Nations. Most embarrassing rugby memory? Two matches uh, in a row, one in, one, uh, in June and one uh, in the World Cup in 99. We lost by South Africa one and, and New Zealand 100 points each. Pre-game tune. In tune, you mean music or, or yeah, music? Yeah, music. I like, I, I have, a, I had a, in the past, there was a, a CD. I mean, now it's not, a, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> a CD that where I had a, Few few rock songs inside, like Guns N' Roses, uh, nice uh, Blink, one hundred, so this kind of uh, love that, love that post game meal, a lot, <laughs> no, <laughs> whatever, no, but I never had the big problems in terms of meals, no. <laughs> Best player you've played against? Best player I played against? Hmm. <laughs> many, too many. <laughs> No, I, I would say I, I, it's not fair to say one because uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. What about in your position? Could I press you for a, the best lock you've ever played against? But the, the best lock, uh, uh, lock uh, 
a player that I admired a lot, uh, John Hughes, because he was a complete player, but uh, uh, Martin right. Johnson as well. It depends, different, different, different locks, you know. But uh, players that uh, we'll t- we'll take John Hughes definitely. Best player you played with <laughs> for the economy of the team, uh, I think uh, Alessandro Troncon. That's nice. Favorite player right now in the economy of the team. Also, Sexton uh, is uh, is crucially important. Rugby idol. When I was younger, uh, and uh, I was watching on the white, black and white television, the, what was the Five Nations? There were players that uh, GPR Williams, uh, Andy Irving, the, <laughs> always fullback. I don't know why, because they were running. Maybe <laughs> when I was, but I, I just recall. No, I, I the, the player that uh, my 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 hero. I would say in the in the. Uh, but Kirkpatrick was a, was a good one that I remember. Young Kirkpatrick, I think he was a, a great player. That that maybe maybe the one that I uh, I remember the most. Favorite stadium? I have two, so that, that are on the opposite side. So the posh atmosphere in Twickenham, I think, is uh, is fantastic. Uh, especially in the past when uh, there were the cars and the park car parking with the. Uh, with uh, all the food around, drinking, and uh, very nice. And uh, the anthem is there, it's, it's fantastic. And, and the Millennium for the opposite, because it's the more passionate and the, mm. the most... Uh, you play a match in Cardiff is always, uh, is always uh, an experience, I would say, with uh, all the people walking to the stadium, and, and now it's fantastic. Favourite gym exercise? <laughs> drinking water now. No, <laughs> uh, maybe bench press. Occupation if rugby didn't exist. <laughs> uh, insurance maybe. I worked. I worked in the in the in my previous year, in my previous life. Uh, I was pl- playing in Rovigo because I'm originally from Rovigo. Now I live in Treviso, but originally from Rovigo, and I was uh, playing. And uh, I had also an insurance agency with uh, with an English company. I was Royal Royal Insurance. <laughs> so maybe maybe that wouldn't be. Superstitions, a lot. Always, always put the the, the, the left side before, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh, I was uh, quite often wearing the same hat. Rugby law, you would change. I think that we need to be to try to be much safer as, as possible. But I think that uh, with the the frame by frame interpretation sometimes uh, is uh, it goes too much, uh, especially in the cleanup. So maybe maybe to to try to go in that direction, I would uh, allow tackles only only by by the the chest the the, the, chest, the hip the hip that the hip yeah. down okay yeah. by the hip down maybe maybe that would help a bit the the, 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 the to have less uh, less uh, impact. But the breakdowns, uh, sometimes if you watch it frame by frame, it seems like you have killed somebody, but at the end it's been just a clean out. I mean, that, that needs to be a bit balanced. And finally, best thing about working in rugby? Uh, to add the, add, have and will have hope, the chance to meet uh, new people every day, new, new culture, uh, to challenge yourself, to travel. This, is, I think, is the the. the the, the, the thing that I love the most and the, to be able to combine my passion with my job is, is fantastic.
I thought you'd said initially to beat new people every day, <laughs> not no, meet, new meet, people, meet, meet, meet new people, meet new people, or beat people well, as well. I suppose. Not meet the meet. <laughs> Thank you for doing that, Carlo. Look, I just want to look ahead to England South Africa this weekend. I don't know if this is a bigger game than England or New um, England New Zealand. Brendan, I'm open to hearing your thoughts on that, but also on the England selections. I'm thinking that there won't be too many changes. Yeah. I think England have got to treat it as big a game because South Africa have revved up. That's it. That that they are now, even with three or four guys unavailable because of club commitments, they've got got they've got through the awkward period this autumn and they'll be looking to sign off big time. So coming off, you know, a very draining match against New Zealand must always be difficult. I mean, you know, I don't know how teams do it, but it they've got to get up because South Africa will be up. Um, I agree. I don't think there'll be too many changes. Um I think I'd like to see uh, Jack Van Portfleet start again. Uh, he had just one of those matches where, in fact, the ref did him like a kipper of a couple of decisions early on, and then it went from bad to worse. Box kicks all over the place, bad decisions going down the blind side. He just had one of those matches, but he is the real deal. I think England ought to back him, get him on start. And, you know, wasn't Ben Young's good off the bench? Is that perhaps where we should be looking at Ben Young's yeah. now? Um so that'd be an interesting one. Uh, David Ribbons put his hand up, didn't he? Um, again, he, at this stage, he might be best off the bench, but uh, I've heard there's some squad news today, isn't there? It looks like they're going to play one of the big locks at six. So it could be that Ribbons starts in 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 the second row. Could be Morrow at six. So some interesting selections, but I think you know it'll be the full gun fifteen, whatever Eddie thinks the full gun fifteen is at the moment. Yeah, he Eddie did say that he wants he thinks that they'll need three jumpers against the Springboks. So that would certainly suggest that Mario will go back to six. Yeah. Carlo, obviously, as a second rower, I'll come to you for the Atoje case. We spoke to Chris Robshaw about it last week uh, when Sam Simmons was drafted in at six. Do you think there is an argument for having essentially three second rowers in your pack? I will I will stay more general, I think, because uh you have to have the players under your control every day and to know which kind of rugby you want to play. And there are a lot of considerations. Definitely, Maritoje is a, is a great player. He's a, he's, a, he's a talent. He's an athlete. He, he can play each position, I think, uh, apart from role <laughs> in, 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 in the modern rugby. I don't know. I, I think that the players have to play in the position they prefer. If you want to select a player in a different position, of course, in relation to what uh, to what is uh, is usual, uh, it needs to be really understood if it's something that uh, he he want to do or not. Like uh, we did uh, with Mauro Bergamasco, who wanted he to play scrum half or not in the past. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You never fancied yourself as a scrum half, Carlo. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the defining game of the autumn for England. It's against the world champions. New Zealand aren't, South Africa are. They're the side that beat England in the uh, in the World Cup final. I feel that England are underpowered compared to South Africa. And I feel that I would certainly put Stewart in ahead of Sinclair uh, against uh, South Africa without a shadow of a doubt. And... Um, I I do understand that they 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 possibly need to power up, you know, because um, two reasonably. I mean, uh, Sam Simmons had had a pretty good game against uh, New Zealand, but right. two 
relatively small flankers against a team of South Africa's power and size is it's a risk you know if you think that you're going to run them off their feet and um and and play a mobile game that they can't match i'd say that that's probably uh, optimistic because they are um they've got an all court game and their backs are um you know everybody thinks that they you know it's sort of route one rugby all the time but we obviously see that um They've got more in their armory than that. So England have got a very, very big uh, task in front of them again. Before I get your score predictions, I'm not going to talk about the Rassi Erasmus thing today because I think that's a rabbit hole that should be opened another time. But in terms of what you just touched upon, Nick, and South Africa not necessarily just playing Route 1 rugby, Eddie Jones has said he thinks they'll be more conservative than they were against Italy. Maro Itoje has, after the um, New Zealand game, he said they haven't changed their game since their first international game in rugby. Do you think we're actually playing against a slightly different Springbok outfit with Villamsa at 10, LaRue at 15, that all of a sudden has a few more strings to their bow? I think they have, actually. We saw it against Italy. And I don't know where... Uh, Willie LaRue as um, what he's drinking at the moment, but he's suddenly the Willie LaRue of four or five years ago. He is sparking everything. I mean, the debate about who's playing fly half. Willie LaRue appears at fly half most of the time in broke, you know, after the first phase. So he's back on fire. Colby was on fire until he went off injured. The rest of the backs look really good. Now, yes, they, they got a bit of space against Italy, and Italy were going to play that game. But you know, it might they might just have their eye in. I, like, like Nick, I think South Africa are very underrated in the types of rugby they can play. They always obviously look to route one and the pack initially, but they've got loads of shots they can fire. So that'll be formidable. Very exciting. Proper way to round off what's been a cracking autumn. And I know, Carlo, you said that you're not Nostradamus, but I am going to ask for predictions from all three of you. How were we with New Zealand? We went, we were split down the middle. So ironically, we, we were right in yeah. a way because we were too all so we'll we'll call that a win for the rugby paper podcast i want to put, claim another win the only unbeaten team of the autumn was france predicted by my good self i'm not <laughs> sure anybody else predicted that one <laughs> well done brendan that's no doubt what you were fishing for <laughs> absolutely it was a half volley that had to be dispatched that one. Yeah. okay can i get predictions from all three of you south africa by five Okay. Brendan, last week you went New Zealand by five, five. didn't you? Carlo? Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the South Africa will win. Okay. By how many points more, but I think they they will win. Nick? Yeah, I, I'm going to make that a uh, clean sweep. I reckon they'll win by uh, three or so, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go South Africa by ten. I'm going to be a little bit more... Fatal with my predictions. Right. Guarantee a 20-point England win, I think. (laughs) Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I'd sacrifice my credibility for that to happen. Carlo, it's been great having you and good luck with all things Italian rugby and we look forward to the Six Nations in a few months' time. Thank you very much. As always, pick up a copy of the Rugby Paper in stores on Sundays or you can get it delivered to you through our digital subscription. Join us next week for episode 42.